morning, and welcome to Breakfast with the Bee. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick, Dan Dr. Eisenberg. Good morning, Big Nicks. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning. Johnny, what is on your mind this week? I've actually got something for a change. Well, shit. Yeah. Do tell. Cosmos. Oh, Cosmos, the yeah. Cosmos reboot starring yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Starring Neil deGrasse Tyson, which I'm happy about. Well, of course. I mean, I like whenever we as a society uh-huh. have a celebrity astronomer we can all agree on. Absolutely. You know, because, frankly, because the world has gotten pretty fucking stupid lately. Well, that's fair. Too stupid, and... uh I think our opinion of ourselves has gotten a little inflated in terms of, you know, what humanity thinks of humanity. I mean, I don't think that's new. Well, no. I feel like that's been going on since humanity started thinking of itself as humanity. Well, yeah. Prior to that, when humans didn't think of themselves as a single species, you know, you'd have the pride of the Germans or the pride of the British or later the pride yeah. of the eh, the pride of the Romans, yeah. you know. But but once humans were all d- agreed that they were all humans, oh, certainly. then, yeah, that's been going on the whole time. Well, the point is, we've got a show to, you know, put that back in check again, and it doesn't have 1980 special effects. Yeah, I mean, Carl Sagan was a while ago now. Yeah. I, like, two generations back, really. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and I, I love the original. Uh-huh. You know, big fan. Watch it for fun, you know? Sure. So I didn't just watch it at school. Oh, it's great. It absolutely is great. And so just the idea that, for once, something is getting rebooted that's not Spider-Man again. Uh, that's fair. You know, something, yeah. something that, you know, A actually has something to gain from a reboot because there's new information about the universe in the last 30-some years. Well, see, that's what makes it different from other reboots. When you reboot Spider-Man, you're telling the same dumb old story. Cosmos, there is actual new information to disseminate. Yeah. You know, there's new science, there's new research, there's new discoveries. Normally, a reboot, if it wants to get really exciting, it's like... Well, what if this character was a lady this time? It's like, that's as dangerous as reboots ever get, you know? Right, or let's make it gritty, or let's make it in the present. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, here's everything we've learned in the last 30 years. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's cool that Sherlock Holmes knows how to hack a cell phone. Yeah. But, yeah, that that doesn't really compare to, you know, since the original Cosmos, we now have... Uh, state-of-the-art telescope technologies that are confirming the existence of specific planets that's, all over the place. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, over a thousand of them now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Sherlock Holmes in the 19th century didn't know how to hack a cell phone. Right. And Carl Sagan in 1980 didn't know about exoplanets. I mean... Well, he knew the idea. Yeah, he but, was pretty sure they were out there, but he didn't have proof. Yeah, he didn't have proof. We weren't naming them. Right. I mean, the Large Hadron Collider found the Higgs boson last year. That was a big deal. There's a... there's a That uh, was not in the news as much as when they turned it on. Well... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it works. We, we don't care if it works. This is why we need more, you know, mainstream science programming. And for once, it's actually happening. Yeah, no, I'm... I, I, part of me is just excited because it's a science program airing in prime time in a good time slot on a major network. 
It's Fox on Sunday. Yeah. Arguably the only time Fox is still relevant. Yeah. You know, when they typically play Family Guy and Simpsons and by much better Bob's Burgers. Yeah, think about that. People tuning in for Family Guy. Yeah. Maybe they'll leave this on, you know? Right. They'll be like, okay, what's this? Who's this friendly fellow talking to me about the universe? Yeah. I hope that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm on, I have high hopes. If you're listening to this show on Sunday morning, yeah. uh, watch it on Sunday night. Absolutely. If you don't have regular TV or cable, I, I think it's going to be on Hulu or something. Yeah, it's Fox. It'll be streaming. Yeah, it's yeah. regular TV. It'll be easy to get. It's not HBO. You don't even have to steal it. No. You know. I mean, you can, but don't. I mean, we'll pay for it eventually. Either way, yeah. you know. You don't have to pay for it. It's Fox. Like, if you just had a regular old-ass TV, you still wouldn't pay for it. Well, no, but I'm saying is someday there's going to be a really nice DVD. Oh, well, sure. You know. You know. Yeah, download, features, download comment, that. Commentary and shit, yeah. We'll buy that. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is... It'll look nice on a shelf. Yeah, take the whole experience. You know, that's the yeah. point. It's yeah, but yeah, no. Watch Cosmos. It's going to be cool. We're going to watch. I love and, tricking uh, people into learning. I mean, it would be nice if they just wanted to learn, but whatever. Yeah, well, you know, uh, sometimes you got to trick them. It takes a fucking village. Yeah, a sneaky, sneaky village. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, uh, as we mentioned last week. Uh, we're in the final month of Breakfast with the Beak. Yep. Uh, we got this. We got three more episodes after today's show. Yep, we got today. Then we got three more. Yeah. And, uh, Johnny, I've noticed uh, since the announcement last week, reception has been mixed. Some people are sad it's going away. Well, some people, we appreciate it. Some people think it's a good idea that we're, you know, having a firm conclusion. We thought so, too. Right. That doesn't happen enough. No. Some people don't appear to have noticed yet. Well... That's normal. That's, I guess... That's listen, to be expected. I hope you listened to last week's before this one. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's... Yeah. But some people, I get the distinct impression, don't believe us. Well, we do lie about a lot of things. And you know what? I, I say, good on you, skeptical listener. You don't need to take anything on faith. You know what? Don't trust anything anyone says without proof. You're just adding fuel to the their their fire to the conspiracy. They're going to be like, "Oh, that little speech, that was proof that that we're not really stopping and that Dr. Soxenberg is the yellow king." Yeah, exactly. You want to trick them into learning about astronomy. Yeah. I want to trick them into general skeptical thinking and faithlessness. Well, I can yeah, see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. But we are totally quitting after this month. Yeah. So, not quitting, finishing. Finishing. Concluding. Yes. Yes. And then we'll be rebooted by a charismatic astronomer in 30 years. There's worst things that could happen. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, no, I'm comfortable with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway. Uh, let's roll uh, our fourth to last topic. All right. <laughs> Twenty-seven. What do we got for 27, Johnny? What do we got for 27? Oh, my God. Mm. Wesley Willis, submitted by friend of the show, Jay. Jay, you are back on good terms with us. Finally. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> I have been wanting to talk about Wesley Willis for three years on this show. In fact, it, 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 long before Jay sent this topic in, 
I many times there have been times when Johnny was you know potentially indisposed. One time he was really sick. We ended up loading up with cough medicine and letting him rant about Ryan Reynolds. This was years ago. You remember that episode? Yeah. Well, I don't. you know, one time Johnny was stuck in a blizzard. He almost didn't make it back to Brooklyn in time. Yes. Anytime there's been a chance where I would have to step in at the last minute and throw something up, my go-to was. I'm just going to play a shit ton of Wesley Willis songs in case anybody doesn't know who Wesley Willis is. See, now I had a vague awareness of this plan. Okay. But at the same time, you didn't really tell me about it until after we got this topic. It was going to be a surprise. Well. Yeah, a fun surprise. You know, what did Doc come up with? Well, oh, I, shit. I think I would have tuned in because, you know, I would have had to. I wouldn't have been here. Mm-hmm. I would have said, okay. What did uh, Dr. Heisenberg uh, knock together for our program? Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, shitload of Wesley Willis songs. That would have been great. But yeah. this is going to be great. I mean, I don't think I would have necessarily listened to it. I think I would have just laughed at the fact that you totally went for it. <laughs> well, I need wonder no more because... We get to give it the proper treat. We get to do a real show about Wesley Willis. The great Wesley Willis uh, uh, recorded... Between 40 and 50 albums in the 90s and early aughts. That is a ridiculous number of albums. A few came out on, on labels, minor labels really, but yeah. uh, most of the, most of his incredible output, he just ripped to his own CDs and sold them at shows. Yeah, I mean, they were most famously put out by like Jello Biafra's label. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, a lot of these quote unquote albums were not really proper albums, they were, you know, Things he made at home and just gave out or sold. Supposedly, and uh, he's recorded. Oh, he in his lifetime he recorded over seven hundred songs. I have not been able to locate a definitive archive of everything. I don't know if one even exists. I yeah. I mean, if there was, maybe it was on Demonoid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, beyond that, yeah, I haven't no, been able to find one anywhere. I doubt there's a legal way to obtain. Everything Wesley Willis ever recorded. Uh, yeah. I mean, because just by virtue of the fact that some of those 40 to 50 albums, the fact uh-huh. that we have such a vague number of them, A. Right, yeah. Like, even even on the Wikipedia entry, it says, this list is incomplete. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've got a whole bunch of Wesley Willis songs on, like, Spotify. Yeah. But, yeah, you're not going to find everything anywhere. But, A, the fact that we don't even know how many albums there actually were. Mm-hmm. And, B, the fact that they were often distributed by hand at shows or just on the street. Sure. Means that there could be lost gems out there in the world that some dude in Chicago has in a fucking shoebox under his bed. That's the thing. Wesley Willis had uh, uh, a strong network of friends in Chicago. Some of them probably know. There probably are a handful of people. Probably the people I saw in the two documentaries about Wesley Willis. That there are two is impressive. Right. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right. Because if you've never heard a Wesley Willis song before... There's no way to really describe a Wesley Willis song without playing one. Last, remember last week we played clips of Taylor Swift. We, well, that's all you needed. That's, well, that's because Taylor Swift song sounds like any other kind of song. Yeah, basically, no, you that. can get the gist in ten seconds. There is nothing that sounds like a Wesley. You know what? Let's play a song right now. Okay, and then we'll go forward. Here is the Vultures Ate My Dead Ass Up by Wesley Willis. Go. Once upon a time, a 
team of hungry birds came down on the dead body. It was the dead deer. They sucked their teeth into the dead deer. The vultures were hungry. The vultures, the vultures, the vultures, the vultures, the vultures ate my dead ass up. The vultures ate the deer like it was going out of style. They were eating on the skull. They were eating like dogs. The vultures, the vultures, the vultures, the vultures, the vultures ate my dead ass up. The vultures took off like a jet plane. They were flying United. They were flying at 150 miles per hour. They were flying like an airplane. The vultures, the vultures, the vultures, the vultures. The vultures ate my dead ass up. 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 Rock over London, rock on Chicago. Wheaties, represent the champions. Now to us, <laughs> that sounds perfectly normal. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, if you've never heard a Wesley Willis song before, uh, you may be wondering what the fuck just happened. Well, now you have heard one. That's a step. Absolutely. Baby steps. Yeah, yeah. We're establishing a paradigm here. Yes. Because Wesley Willis, he's often referred to as an outsider artist, which generally means one who is, you know, an artist that doesn't have any kind of formal training, is outside of any genre or scene or influence. And more importantly, is sort of outside of the, you know, the, the, the money and the backstabbing of the art world or sure. whatever scene you may be in. Right. You don't need somebody who has no connections but somehow got noticed. I, exactly, yeah. It doesn't seem connected to anything in any kind of art world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so he he has he, he has his own style. And, and, and you know what? I don't even get into it yet because when you guys hear another song, you'll see the pattern. Yeah. But picture Wesley Willis was huge. Yeah. He was 6'5". Frequently over 300 pounds. Yes. Um, he was black. He had, like, big, crazy, uh, almost kind of... Um, a Huey Freeman? A uh, little bit Huey Freeman. Yeah. A little bit... Uh, who's that guy that... Um, Reggie Watts? Yeah, a little bit Reggie Watts. Okay. Big beard, yeah. you know. And he was schizophrenic. Um, he had a, a big, permanent bump on his head. Yes, he did. A uh, huge gash on the side of his face. Also, yes. He liked to headbutt people. Yeah. Um, and he, um, he always had a big keyboard. And at punk shows, he would, he was with a band for a little while, but he would sit behind a keyboard in, like, sweatpants or whatever, and just play the keyboard and shout, and he had a big book of, like, a big binder of songs. Yeah, so he had his, his giant binder of lyrics printed in giant type. Right. 
Um, Wesley Willis was uh, uh, diagnosed schizophrenic. 1989, I believe that was. Uh, yeah, well, it accounts from... So I mentioned there are two documentaries about Wesley. And uh, uh, one is The Daddy of Rock and Roll, and that was made in 2001 when he was still alive. Yeah. Uh, there's another one called Wesley Willis's Joy Rides, made in 2008, and that was posthumous, of course. Yeah. Um, he died in 2003 of leukemia. Which, you know, bummer. Bummer. He was in his uh, he was in his forties. Yeah, no, might have I, actually even been forty. He was. I saw yeah. him, I saw him live in two thousand one, which I am crazy jealous of yeah. because I never got to. I thought I would have more time. Well, yeah, we all thought that. Okay? Yeah, but the thing was is that, that show Wesley Willis, as that song may indicate, mm-hmm. his interests could fixate very tightly on unusual things. Sure. And when I saw him. It was right after that show, That's My Bush, had premiered. The uh, the, the very short-lived Comedy Central sitcom about George Bush. Yes. George W. Bush. George W. Bush, right. yes. yeah. And he, for whatever reason, uh-huh. had become obsessed with that program. Uh, yeah, okay. I can see it. During the bridge of every song, uh-huh. he would chant, That's My Bush. <laughs> he had a weird little voice modulator thing on his keyboard uh-huh. that he used to say, That's My Bush. Bush in silly voices. I mean, in the 90s, he would frequently rant about Ronald Reagan and the elder George Bush, so it makes sense. And yes, then he did two songs about George Bush at the show, mm-hmm. one called uh, George Bush is a Hardworking Man of God, Okay. and another called George Bush is a Planet-Raping Assfucker. You know... <laughs> yeah, it, it rang true. It yeah, rang true. yeah, no, that works. That works. Yeah. One of the things I love about Wesley Willis is he's so blunt and direct. He is, and yet he always found a way to have a very entertaining turn of phrase. Absolutely, to describe a thing. Yeah. I feel like we can't go any further with that line of discussion. Uh huh. Without getting into his animal songs. Okay. All right. We can go to that now. Now. Funny story, the first time I heard Wesley Willis Mm -hmm. was actually on a college radio station before I went to college in the mid-90s in Virginia. Okay. There were these guys who late at night had some just weird shit show. And it college was, radio. Yeah, it was the first time I heard, like, Wally Pleasant. Okay. And, you know, they would play, you know, stuff like Ween, that kind of thing. That's definitely college radio. And one of the first songs I ever heard by Wesley Willis on that station was this song, Suck a Cheetah's Dick. Suck a polar bear's funky ass. Suck a racehorse's cup with honey's tomato ketchup. Suck a ducky shitty ass. Suck a male candlestick of hoisin' sauce. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a European bison's smelly ass. Suck a woolly mammoth stick of miracle whip. Suck a snow leopard's ass of whipped cream. Suck a hyena's fermy dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick.
Suck a llama shitty asshole. Suck a panda bear spermy nutsack. Suck a slut bear's booty hole. Suck a gray house musty ass motherfucker. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Suck a cheetah's dick. Rock over London. Rock over Chicago. Polarate. See what develops. Now, when I said unique and remarkable turns of phrase, sure. I was referring to suck a, suck a male camel's dick with hoisin sauce. <laughs> the, the the lengths he must have gone to to find new combinations of animal dicks and condiments to put on them. It's inspired. Now, the reason I didn't try to describe the song before we played it was... Frankly, I dare any of you to go find someone who's never heard a Wesley Willow song and describe what you just heard without playing it. Yeah, I mean... It, it, there's no way you'll be able to, like, give anyone a clear impression. Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? He's going to tell them... He tells you to suck a lot of different animal cocks with, with different condiments and also lick their musty assholes. I mean, like... <laughs> but it, it, this... this uh, He actually recorded... He eventually started calling them his series of bestiality songs. That's beautiful. Jello Biafra... Of the dead Kennedys. Yes. Eventually had to tell him to tone it down. Not because of any individual song, but because he was making so many of them. Well, the audience responded to them. Uh, you know, well, sure. Yeah. But, uh, just some of the animal songs we haven't, we aren't going to play tonight. Suck a pit bull's dick. Uh, suck a caribou's ass. I was gonna say suck a caribou's ass. Suck my dog's dick. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the kind of conversation you have to have around Wesley Willis. Oh, I was gonna say suck a caribou's ass. <laughs> Wow, suck a caribou's ass. That's great. <laughs> but here's the fascinating backstory okay. behind Wesley Willis's bestiality songs. Um, I mean, clearly you've been preparing for this for a long time. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm a. I, I uh, have researched the lore, so Goody. to speak. <laughs> so as I as I mentioned, Wesley Willis uh, was schizophrenic, and accounts from his his siblings. Um, Suggest that uh, he was hearing voices and kind of talking to him stuff and stuff even as a child. Yeah. But an incident happened to him in 1989 where he was assaulted and threatened with a knife and stuff. And it traumatized him to the point where, starting from that day, he started hearing what he called three demons that lived in his head. Uh, he actually named the demons Heartbreaker, Nerve Wrecker, and Mean Sucker. I like mean sucker. Yeah, yeah. That's one mean sucker. And the demons uh, uh, would provoke him into what he called hell rides, which was when he just went into kind of a, a, a schizophrenic rage. Yeah. And it was it rarely directed at any of the people around him. Anytime he and he's written songs about this too. Is no, I'm is he with will those. <laughs> he will shout at the voices in his head, and people will misunderstand and get offended and stuff. Yes. The the explanation for the bestiality songs is that he's actually shouting them at the demons because the demons hate it. He's basically, he's fighting back at his mental tormentors, so to speak. Well, you know, if I was a demon, I wouldn't like to be told to suck a caribou's ass. I mean, sure, I'm a demon. I make other people do that. People who knew Wesley Willis and were, like, friends of his and stuff, yeah. you know, talked about how awesome he was, that he was a big teddy bear, he was brilliant, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, no, like, I mean, that was his thing, was after the show, everyone in the audience was allowed to line up and get a gentle headbutt. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's 
part of the reason that big thing on his head never got better. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, you know, it's uh, it became... It, one friend even described it as Wesley Willis's third eye. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's maybe a happy accident. But, well, yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. that just happened to be the point of impact. But yeah, I mean. right. But he's got these, he's the the you know these hallucinations tormenting him, and he's in you know uh, suck a macaque's ass with mayonnaise. He's tormenting his tormentors back. See, I mean, I don't know what the preferred method for you know dealing with things like that is beyond just medicate and pray that there's some some shred of the original person left. Sure, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, in some cases, to stop something that severe, you've got to, you know, just dope the person up and keep them in a, you know, corner all day or whatever. Right. So I don't know whether yelling back at them is considered an effective therapeutic method, but in this one case... Uh, yeah. Wesley Willis, I think, is a very special case. Yeah. Um, you know, most people don't come out of it with a, a legendary artistic career. Yeah, most people don't channel that into songwriting at all. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, because it's it's sort of reminiscent of, uh, I don't want to get too far off topic here, mm-hmm. but another, you know, singer-songwriter who struggled with, you know, mental illness and kind of falls into that art, outsider art world. Uh-huh. Was uh, Daniel Johnston. Oh, absolutely. Who, you know, was diagnosed with various things over the years. Mm -hmm. And they made a documentary about him, too, actually, called The Devil and Daniel Johnston. Oh, yeah. And in that movie, one of his friends talks about, you know, you, you grow up reading about artists and wanting to be an artist. And you read about, you know... Just the glamour of the the artist, you know, grappling with his sanity. And you think about Vincent Van Gogh or think about Sylvia Plath or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then you have this person in your life and it's like, being Vincent Van Gogh's friend must have been miserable. Yeah. I'll bet nobody wanted to hang out with Sylvia Plath. No, no. She, uh, Debbie Downer, I think, is yeah. a, a reasonable yeah. phrase. And, like, you know, Daniel Johnston, once he started, you know, beating people with pipes and hijacking planes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was only two people aboard, but it's still, you know, he still hijacked a plane. Well, still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, once he started doing that, people were like, this maybe needs to, we maybe need to... Put a stop to this, right? Right, and 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 briefly, Willis uh, uh, signed a, a legitimate record contract and went on tour with a band called the Wesley Willis Fiasco. Yeah, and it was great for a little while. And by the end of it, his his former bandmates talked about how he would fly into these rages and smash things and like attack them and stuff. And the band broke up, and he went back to doing solo keyboard shows. Yeah, and he was okay again. Well, so you know. <laughs> Yeah, by and large, most of his music that is not supported by a band is just him playing the samples on the keyboard. Well, yeah, and and it's good that you point this out, because you guys are probably starting to recognize a pattern. Yeah, the pattern is what we're, yeah. Yeah. We haven't really addressed. Uh, uh, And you know what? Let's go ahead and and address it with a third song. All right, what do you want to hear? Well, Wesley Willis doesn't just write dirty songs about animals. Well, that's... Uh, Good. It, he had a, he had a few types of songs he wrote, and another one that he did was he would write songs about people. Some of them were tributes to friends friends of his. Yes, and some and of them. Some of them were just about celebrities he had on his mind that day. Yeah. Uh, and this was arguably one of his biggest songs. It was the only one I ever saw an actual music video on MTV. Okay, for. I know what we're talking about. Uh, this is Alanis Morissette. You 
rock star. You are a rock legend to the max. You can really knock it out. You can really whoop a horse's ass. point the pattern is pretty clear uh yeah yeah it's, uh, uh, also just a side note as far as i know alanis morissette was never really wesley willis's sweet honey loving to the max no as far as anybody knows that did not go down but this was composed the year jack of little pill was everywhere yeah uh, but yes you're you're absolutely right the title of the song is also the chorus yeah he says hey, acdc does it Absolutely. Yeah. That's an ACDC's also made 40 albums. There you go. Might as well have. Um, but no, he says some stuff. Yep. And then he sings a chorus. And then he says some more stuff. He sings a chorus. And he plays the keyboard for a minute. There's the long bridge with the keyboard. And then he... sometimes kind of sounds like a CD skipping. And he wraps it up. Yep. Uh, a little more chorus where he just repeats the title again. And then he does a commercial. He does. Uh, well, he says, rock over London, rock on Chicago. Then he does a commercial. A commercial for any number of products. I mean, I believe we just heard Taco Bell. Right. Uh, Wheaties is a classic. Sure. Uh, Diet Pepsi he does. You know. uh, uh, Polarade, see what develops. Yeah. That's with a bit of a Chicago accent there. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is that, yeah, all, <laughs> a lot of these are, you know, hey, do you ever wonder what product slogans were in the 90s? 
Yeah. Well, we've got an archive of that now. That's that's true. You know? I mean, it's not all just watching serial commercials from 50 years ago on YouTube. You know, Which can be fun, man. The Orange Moose was awesome. Okay, no one knows Crispy Critters except your dad. Well, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. You spent the first 30 years of your life thinking that was imaginary until I found it. Yeah, well, that was an accident. So... <laughs> The point is not about what people were eating for breakfast 50 years ago. Correct. The point is what people were drinking 20 years ago, and that was Diet Pepsi, and their slogan was actually, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Which, at the time, we were all just cool with, but we look back on it now, and it's like, that eh, it might not have been great. That was a dumbass thing. Yeah. And, you know, Wesley Willis remembered. He, he remembered, and he, he pointed out in a way we couldn't ignore it. When Wesley Willis says, Diet Pepsi, uh-huh, you can't just leave that alone. You can't be like, oh, well, it was the 90s. Like, God damn it, when you just say it like that, it was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and actually, the, the, the fake advertisements, they're not exactly fake advertisements. They're not like parodies or anything, and they're for real products. But certainly the, the unpaid advertisements. Sure. You know, the free advertisements he gave out. Uh-huh. That is a quality I notice in a lot of sort of, uh, I, I guess we're going to just keep calling it outsider art. Uh, there's really not a better term for it. You know, especially like in you know music and comics and stuff like that. Stuff that would have advertising if it were done by, you know, a major label or by a major publisher. Sure. It's sort of a cargo culty quality mm. of, you know, well, real comic books or real radio or whatever has advertisements. Right. I'd better stick some in there. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. yeah. I mean, and sometimes, like, I mean, we do fake ads at this show sometimes, you know? Sure, yeah. Those are obviously fake ads for products that do not and should not exist. And it's really just us wishing we could be more like Blaine Capatch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a funny man. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Yeah, that's most of where that comes from. Sure. But certainly I've seen, you know, kids, especially kids, mm -hmm. who draw their own comics, and then they fill up a full page with a totally serious ad uh -huh. for some product they like. Yeah. And it's like, you know that that's not how ads get made. <laughs> and I mean, in the case of a kid, maybe you don't know that's not how ads get made. Yeah. It's a pattern that I've noticed, and I don't know what it means in this context. In this case, maybe it was just him looking for a unique sign-off for each of his songs. I think in that case it is. He he did it once, figured out that it got a laugh, and said, all right, this is one of the things I'm going to do. Yeah, and unlike writing a bunch of bestiality songs, uh -huh. that takes two seconds. Uh, yeah, he actually sticks an ad at the end of basically every song. Yeah. Which is... Even when he was playing with the full band. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not even that consistent on our podcast. No. So to do that over 40-some albums yeah. is is an we amazing... We don't always feel inspired. Well, you know. <laughs> we don't always have our A material. Yeah. But yes, that was another of his quirks. That was another, uh, that was another part of the Wesley Willis song pattern. Yeah. See, this is the, this is the pattern... I don't know how I would describe this without playing songs. We talked about playing clips. Again, I know I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. But we talked about playing clips, and I think you guys can understand now. Yeah. That would have, if I had just played a snippet of the chorus, you'd have been like, oh, well, the rest of it's probably like a regular song. Yeah. No. Well, exactly. And, I mean, yes, he says different things in each verse. Yeah. 
But the repetition is part of the experience. It's... Yeah, it, he he basically created his own genre. I mean, you can call it punk rock or whatever. He did sometimes, but it's like it's it's almost like a haiku. It, actually, he's not he's not just doing nothing. He made his own set of rules unique to him. Well, I'd say more of a villanelle or a sestina, but <laughs> but that's the thing. Like you know, a poetry isn't just roses are red, go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's like different kinds of poetry have like rules. Yeah, no, I mean, and there's in, a there's a way cases, to write a sonnet. Yeah, in many cases, very specific rules. Yeah, and Wesley Willis songs have very specific rules that only apply to Wesley Willis songs. I mean, in theory, they could be emulated by anyone. Sure. But often that anybody lacks Wesley Willis's uh, unique perspective. Right. And more than that, uh, across multiple songs, of course, there are themes that recur. Uh-huh. Animals, of course, being the big one. <laughs> Even on Alanis Morissette, you know, he was talking about horses. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He was using them in a positive light. He wasn't telling anyone to suck their dicks. No, he says Alanis whips a horse's ass. That's clearly a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, one of the phrases that recurs again and again in most of the celebrity songs and most of the songs about music uh-huh. is uh, you can rock Saddam Hussein's ass. Sure. Wesley Willis was very firm in his belief that Saddam Hussein's ass needed to be rocked. Well, he started writing songs around the time of the first Gulf War. Yes. So, it was in the zeitgeist. It was. Towards the end of his life, he did sing some songs about Osama bin Laden. Well. You know, but... That was in the zeitgeist as well. Yeah, that didn't happen till one Yeah. Obviously. The, the, but it's very interesting, because, I mean, you know, Saddam Hussein sort of became... Throughout the 1990s, just sort of the, you know, assigned enemy. Uh-huh. Like, every, he was just sort of the guy everyone knew about, and it's like, when's he going to pull something again? Oh, sure, yeah. You know, and there were no-fly zones and sanctions and so forth. Right. But, you know, so that that kind of kept him in the news on a very low level. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I don't think Wesley Willis, when he says you could rock Saddam Hussein's ass, I don't think he means that in a harmful way. I think he means... You you have the power to make Saddam Hussein feel the, the power of rock and roll. Oh, yeah, okay. It's like how uh, Bashar al-Assad listens to fun. Yeah. Yeah, but not... Not as depressing. Yeah. That's just like... <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. But it, it, it's more like a Bill and Ted thing. Like, you know, if you could all just feel the magic of rock and roll... Oh, you could get you could uh, get Napoleon to go to the water park and then eat a giant dish of ice cream. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, world peace and everybody, you know, lives in giant crystal palaces and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... You know, Wesley Willis was something of a utopian. He kind of was. <laughs> he sang a lot about the power of rock. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the liberating power of rock and roll. And indeed, you know, in contrast to the, the hell rides uh-huh. that the demons would send him on, he referred to the experience of playing and hearing his music as joy rides. Absolutely. Harmony joy rides. Harmony joy rides, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he often broke things down into those two categories, hell rides and joy rides. Oddly enough, uh, uh, often because he he couldn't drive, yeah, <laughs> uh, relevant to his trips on buses, because sometimes he would take a, a bus out to the suburbs and call it a joyride, mm-hmm. 
And sometimes he would take the, like, the south side of Chicago rides and, you know, get harassed by people and then yeah. by his own inner demons and call them hell rides. Yeah. And then he just extrapolated that to the rest of his life. I mean, and he's got straight-up autobiographical songs about some of those rides where he starts yelling at bus drivers or gets thrown off the bus. Oh, we should actually play one of those. Okay. Because he's, he's got some songs that are he's clearly making up stories. He's, yeah. We're not going to have time to play one of his superhero songs. Yeah, I mean, those are the <laughs> ones you've heard. If, you, if you've heard a Wesley Willis song, you've probably heard I Whoop Batman's Ass. That's a super famous one. Yeah. I'm partial to I Whoop Spider-Man's Ass because there's like a subplot where Spider-Man... Cons Wesley Willis's girlfriend out of seventy dollars, and then Wesley whips him with a rubber hose. That's <laughs> <a> specific amount. <laughs> See, now I'm partial to Birdman kicked my ass because of all the heroes who are going to take down Wesley Willis. It ends up being Birdman. That is peculiar. Not even Hawkman. Birdman from the cartoon show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who later became an attorney at law on yeah, Adult Swim. Exactly. Right. Um, but, I mean, I, I think part of the reason I woke Batman's ass is so famous is just because of the repetition of the phrase Batman's ass. Yeah. <laughs> which is not a thing you think about a lot. You no. certainly don't think about it getting whooped, even when Batman actually gets his ass whooped, you know? It's like yeah. that's treated as a very serious thing. Oh my god, Bane, you know? That's true. He's, uh, he's supposed to be hard to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Bane actually managed to fuck him up. Oh my god, what could this mean, you know? But Wesley Willis just singing, I whoop Batman's ass. Right. That's very out of character for Batman, let alone anyone else in the world possibly being capable of that. Yes. But, but yeah, but one of the things I learned in, in watching these documentaries is that some of his songs uh, are very autobiographical and detailed. Um, and kind of point to the struggle he had. Yeah. And uh, the song that Johnny's about to hit the button on, Makes Sure I'm Out Scurring You, is uh, part of that. Okay. Is, you know, you know. We'll discuss it when we get back. Yeah. Real of 50 vulgarity hell right at me. Shoot my homie Jurad music down. Turn me away so I can't catch any pain struggle swell. Keep me stuck in the pain chamber of Chicago, Illinois. Make sure I'm out screwing up. 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 Torment me with lies in front of my friends. Call me a fucking bum like I'm a kind man. Call me a fucking jerk like I'm a rapist. Call me a fucking asshole like I'm an arsonist. Take me on the series of uproar hell rides on every CTA bus route. Make sure I'm out screwing up. Make sure I'm out screwing up. Make sure I'm out screwing up. Like a hello, like a damn fool. Get me arrested and taken to jail by the Chicago police. Make me bust my portable CD player to smithereens. Kill all my good time music. 
Turn my Sunday sightseeing bus turn into a nurse shouting hell right. Make sure my screwing up. 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 Rock over London. Rock over Chicago. Spirit. It's the next British invasion. See, now, I don't even remember that commercial. I think it was an airline. I believe you. Okay. <laughs> I, I, but, again, now that's a funny song. But when you realize that it, it, he's actually, you know, raging against, again, the voices in his head that are tormenting him. Yeah, and trying to, like, th- this is autobiographical that he has these voices who are trying to get him to ruin everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 he was often quoted as, you know, saying, like, the voice, you know, he has to constantly prevent the voices in his head from making him, like, hit people with bricks. Yeah. Like, that was just a thought that was occurring to him all the time. I should hit that guy with a brick right now. Yeah. He didn't do it, but that was always, it's like when the subway's really crowded and you kind of just want to start shoving people. You don't do it. No. Because you have to live in a society. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's like, you know, I could. Yeah. 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 Oh, shoving would solve something right yeah. now. See, I usually just want an air horn, but... That'd be fun. Well, yeah. Well, you know. But, yeah, the, the, the fact that, you know, he's got... Voices, you know, uh-huh. yeah. telling him, e- e- even though the, the minor pleasures in his life, having a portable CD player, you know, mm-hmm. and they're pushing him to destroy it and ruin his good time music. Yeah. You know? And when you realize this is autobiographical, it's like, that's fucking grim. <laughs> it absolutely <Yeah>. is. Uh. <laughs> but at the same time, it's so confessional, you know? It's so, I don't want to say, oh, it's so raw, because that's something people say about music that isn't. Sure. That's what uh, some people say that about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Which is insane. Well, in the sense that it's not gussied up at all. <laughs> although, although, let's think about that for a second. Because I do love that we're talking about Wesley Willis the week after we talked about Taylor Swift. Yeah, no, I, I retract whatever I said about Tool. This feels like the opposite of Taylor Swift. The opposite, and yet. And yet the equal. There's a symmetry. Because they both write all their own autobiographical songs. It's and true. but in every other respect, they're the opposite. Yeah, you know, he's big and black. She's tiny and you know from the country. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, 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 she's all about you know love and adorableness. Yeah, and you know he's, he's... all about like fear and torment. Exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but they're both writing you know these these really like you know heartfelt songs about their real personal emotions. Yeah, I mean, and, and likewise. Just like Taylor Swift takes, you know, rather minor things and blows them up. Yeah. You know, Wesley Willis, of course, dips into songs about beating up superheroes. Yeah. Or, like, there's a song called They Threw Me Out of Church. Right. Which, the first half seems like something that might have really happened. Yeah. Where they throw him out of church for swearing. Uh Uh-huh. And then the last verse is he comes back to the church and beats the pastor with a two-by-four and then escapes from the police... And I feel like that probably didn't happen. Uh, no. Uh, uh, he's on record as being terrified of jail and going to great lengths to avoid it. Yeah. Because, again, he's a big scary guy from the south side of Chicago, and getting committed yeah. was a real risk. Probably, yes. Yeah. Almost certainly. <laughs> yeah. He actually was 
committed once or twice, and they had to go to great lengths to get him out, often so that he could get to a gig. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's the thing. That's like that's that exact right level of fame. Uh huh. Where like. Yes, you're in demand. You have to go places. You have to tour. Yeah. But you kind of have to tour like a pirate. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a van pirate, but a pirate all the same. Right, right. Like, like uh, not everyone's going to know your face. You have to do some explaining. Yeah. Yeah. And indeed, you have to know, you, you kind of have to not break the law to get to the gig on time, but be creative with it. Certainly. I mean... <laughs> And to go back to the the Daniel Johnston parallel, mm. you know, when when he was committed, it was very often a relief to his friends. It was yeah, it was this guy has become destructive or scary, right? And he believes all of us are tools of Satan conspiring against him. Yeah, that's got to be wearing after a while. Yeah, and with Wesley Willis, both in the the music and what I know of his life and what you've told me of the documentaries, sure, that didn't seem to be the case quite as often. It, no, if anything, they were just worried, you know, like, all right, if we can get him home and get him a meal and you know his meds, yeah, then uh, he'll be back to being a, a sweetie pie, you know, and he'll and then he'll write a song about how I'm his best friend, yeah, you know, <laughs> which he did all the time. Yeah, we're not playing those just because those are real people. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys, you know, Carla Winnebottom seems like a nice lady, but you don't know who that is. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I have a vague idea that Wesley Willis wrote a song about her, and that might have been her actual name. <laughs> yeah. No, apparently it was. Awesome. But, yeah. That's a cool name. Um... But if you guys are interested, both of those documentaries are free streaming on YouTube. All right. So just go. Yeah. Go nuts. there for you. Yeah. Have fun with that. But I I, I think ultimately from a musical standpoint, I do derive genuine enjoyment from from Wesley Willis. Uh, Like not all the time. I don't need to hear him every day. No. But there's there's a catharsis to it. There really is. Because there's really very... I mean, there's some... You know, punk bands yeah. that fulfill a similar, you know, role. Yeah, just sort of spitting at the sun. Exactly. You know, like for daring to be up there all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I need to bluntly shout at something. Yeah. You know, and, and it puts, and he's shouting, but sometimes his verbal abuse is so comical that you can relieve tension and get a smile on your face. It, actually, yes. This is not, you know, this isn't make fun of the mentally ill guy. No. This is like, this is a, a whole different kind of relatable. Yeah, I mean, like, that—that that is, I'm not even going to say that's the debate, because within the community he came out of, it wasn't really a debate. It was only, it was only outside commenters who didn't get it that ever yeah. complained about that. Yeah. Everyone who knew him... Yeah. On board. Like, there was always the question of, you know, was this exploitation? Was this, you know, one step up from the circus where we're prodding him out onto, sta- onto the stage? Right. You know, and like saying, okay, go ahead, sing that th- that song you do, haha, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And again, all the evidence points to that not being the case. No, I even, I even watched an interview with Henry Rollins. Uh, uh, who loves Wesley Willis. Yeah, and Henry Rollins is not a guy who would forgive that kind of shit. Uh, no. He, he has very specific ethical standards. and, and Which he, he will tell you about. At great length. 
I like Henry Rollins, but yeah, he will. Uh, yeah, speaking of stuff you don't want to hear every day. That's fair. <laughs> um, but no, even Henry Rollins points out, you know, no, all the like punk kids who went and it, this was genuine appreciation yeah, I mean, for this guy's unique art. Because that's who was at the shows, you know? Yeah. Like, there's this infamous quote by the, in this article that doesn't even exist anymore. Wikipedia uh-huh. calls it a dead link. Okay. You know? But it was somebody from some band or something talking about, you know, the crowds of jeering frat boys at his concerts. And mm-hmm. it's like, apparently they were not showing up. No. No. You never hear about frat boys talking about this. No. At the most, they learn one song. They hear, I whoop Batman's ass. In their weird roommate's, you know, dorm when they're not at the frat house. Although, speaking of that... Oh, God. Okay, I do have one more personal Wesley Willis story to tell. Oh, goody. So, remember I mentioned I heard it on a college radio station in the 90s. I was maybe 15 at the time. All right. Kind of forgot about it until uh, the fall of 2000 when I started college and moved into the dorms. And I lived on a dorm at the top of a big hill in Pittsburgh. I remember never going there. Uh, there was no reason to. Yeah. But they were nicer than your dorm. Well. Um, it was a hike. Anyway, uh, I remember, the, I think it was the first week. We had already moved in, and my uh, roommate Chris and I were going up the hill. And blasting out of one of the windows on, like, the eighth floor of the dorm, and you could hear it from the bottom of the hill. Oh, God. ascending as I walked up, the vultures ate my dead ass up. The first (laughs) song we played. And I said, holy shit, I remember this. (laughs) And that's when I downloaded Napster. Because it was the fall of 2000, so there was Napster. There sure was. And fucking started downloading Wesley Willis songs. And I know I'm not the only one. No, No. I I did as well. So many people discovered Wesley Willis just via Napster. Yeah. You know. I mean, via Napster, via college, basically. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, on one hand you think maybe the Wesley Willis legacy will endure because there's always a new crop of college freshmen. Right. But at the same time, you know, there's not new material coming out. People don't know who Saddam Hussein... I mean, the the incoming crop of college freshmen this year... Yeah. To them, Saddam Hussein is that guy who died on YouTube when I was 10. You know? Yeah. I mean, these, these songs are at least 11 years old. Some of them are 20 years old. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it, it's like the, it's like Saved by the Bell, you know, it was this hallmark for a generation, mm-hmm. and now it's just sort of slipping into the past and no one wants to sleep with Mr. Belding anymore. Well, pros and cons. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, college <laughs> girls don't. Yeah. <laughs> the cons are mostly for Dennis Haskins. Well, yeah. He can sleep with women in their mid-30s. That's still pretty good for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. But yeah, so, you know, I I do sort of worry about that little piece of weird history being forgotten. Because everything weird gets forgotten and replaced with more fucking cats. I feel like we're doing our part. We're doing what we can. Yeah. We're doing what we can on uh, on this podcast that, you know, all nine or ten of you are going to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So... Um, but, you know what, fucking spread the word. Tell other people about Wesley Willis. Yeah, you Keep know, it alive. You've got cousins who are starting college, you know. It's like, hey, you want to be the kid in your dorm who people are like, this guy's on the ball? Here, play him this. <laughs> there is one other way 
people can maybe stumble on Wesley Willis. And I think we can close out the show on that. Okay. Because I do find this to be a cathartic song. All right. Uh, he has a song called Fuck You. That's true. And There was a famous song called Fuck You two years ago. There certainly was. By CeeLo Green. Everyone's heard it. Everyone loves Fuck You. Yeah. No. It was a great song. I, I don't Do I need to quote it? No. Yeah. So you but, drive around town with the girl I love, and I'm like, fuck you. Well, you did anyway, so... Yeah, but if you go on Spotify and look up Fuck You, yeah. there's two of them. There's CeeLo Green's song, there's Wesley Willis' song. And so I think people are going to say, hey, what's this other song called Fuck You? Yeah. And uh, would you like to close with it? Uh, Yeah, let's close it out. All uh, right, let's just say goodbye now. Have a good breakfast. Have a good, good breakfast. Go to thebeak.org. Suck a cheetah's dick. <laughs> um, and... uh. Come back for three more weeks. Yep. All right. All right. Bye. Let me find another job that doesn't pay me enough money at all. I want a better one. I'm going to tell you this. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Take this job and shove it. I'm not working for you anymore. Stick it up your ass. Suck my damn dick, asshole. Fuck your crummy ass jerk. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. This has been a production of the Beak Podcasting Network. Visit thebeak.org to learn more about this and other quality podcasts. Seriously, guys, so awesome.